Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Brighton podcast. We exist to help people love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coabrighton.org. That's C-O-A-H-Brighton.org. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Kyle. I'm a ministry associate here at the church. And um, before we dive into the sermon, I just want to give a brief update on Aaron and Emily Peters. So Aaron is our lead pastor here at the church, and Emily Peters is our director of operations. And as many of you know, uh, Aaron's mom, Cindy, was recently diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so we've been praying for them and um, just asking God to bring healing, to bring hope. And so I just want to give a brief update. Cindy, Aaron's mom, was able to transition home, I believe, last week, and which is really exciting. That's great. So she's able to be at home. And she started on a new medication, which I believe Emily had already shared. And so that has been going well. And so the medication so far, no adverse reactions yet. And so Cindy's able to be at home. She's recovering. And when I was talking with Aaron this week, he was saying that this is the most encouraged that they felt in the last two months. And so hopefully Cindy's able to live for another year or two. And so if you would just pray that the medicine would continue to work, no adverse reactions, no accidents. So Cindy's able to just stay at home and continue to, um, yeah, just continue to, to be there. So we're excited. Aaron and Emily will be back with us next Sunday. So really excited to have them back. And so that'll be next Sunday that they're back with us. Uh, but we are, uh, today we're going to finish our Life Together series. And so these last six weeks, we've been looking at all these essential parts of our life together as a church. And so we've talked about topics like the gospel, like community, like mission. And so what I want to talk about today is life in the city. What does it look like for us as Christians to love the city of Boston, to care for the city of Boston, and also to long for this future coming heavenly city that God's going to provide for us? Uh, I read a really interesting story this week about a Christian artist who he was telling a story about how he came to actually love cities and to, to care about cities. So his name is Makoto Fujimura, and he actually grew up here in Boston and then spent, he, uh, he moved to Tokyo for a little bit to hone his craft as an artist. And then eventually he moved to New York City. And because, you know, if you're an artist, where do you go if you really want to make it? You go to New York City. So he moved to New York and he was living on the outskirts of the city with his family. And he started to attend this little church with 50 people on a Sunday called Redeemer Presbyterian Church. And he was there in the early 90s. And so he started to attend this church. And he heard the lead pastor talking a lot about loving the city and caring for the city. And he started to realize that he was in New York City for more than just, more than just making it as an artist. He realized that God had more for him, that he could actually use his artwork to bless the city he had to use his artwork to share the gospel with people, to mentor younger artists, to display the beauty of God. He started to get a vision for what it means to actually live in the city and love the city. And so he moved his family from the outskirts into the heart of New York City. And eventually he actually became a pastor at this church. And he, he, this whole experience for Makoto, he was able to learn to love the city, to serve it, to care for it. And so that's what I want to talk about today. What does it mean for us as Christians to love the city, to provide for the city, to seek the peace of the city? 
It's amazing to me just how quickly people are moving to cities today. When I see some of the stats around urbanization, it's kind of mind-boggling to me. I mean, people are flocking to cities. People are moving to cities at such a fast rate. And so as Christians, we love people. And so where are the people going? They're going to cities. And so that's where Christians should go. I read this stat this week from Michael Goheen. He's a scholar on Christian missions. And he's talking about urbanization. And he writes this. He says, at the beginning of the 19th century, only 3% of the global population lived in cities. As we moved into the new millennium, half of the world's population lived in cities. Think about that for a moment. Over half the world lives in a city now. At 1900, it was 3%. Today, it's over half of the world lives in a city. As Christians, we care deeply about people. We want to love people, care for people. And so where should we go to do that? Where the people are. And today, that's cities. People are flocking to cities at such a fast rate. But here's the sad thing. Christians are not keeping up. I saw another stat this week from Gordon Conwell's Status of Global Christianity Report. They showed that in 1900, when 3% of the world lived in cities, 70% of cities were made up of self-identifying Christians. Today, that stat is 37%. So the world is going to cities, but Christians are not keeping up. And I, I think we shouldn't be okay with that. We should say, if, if people are going to cities, we should keep up. We should be eager to go to the city, to start churches, to love the city. And so that's what I want to talk about today. When we pick up in Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah, he's writing to a group of Israelites who they've actually been taken captive. They've gone from their home city of Jerusalem, now to this foreign city of Babylon. And Jeremiah's writing to them to talk with them about what does it look like while you're stuck in Babylon, where you were taken captive, what does it look like to love Babylon, to provide for Babylon, to seek the shalom, the peace of Babylon? And so that's what I want to talk about today. What does it look like for us to love Boston, to care for it? And so what I want us to see from Jeremiah 29, it's just two things. I want us to both love this city and I want us to long for God's better city. We need to love Boston to provide for it, to care for the city. And at the same time, we need to keep our eyes set on a better heavenly city that's coming one day. So let me show it to you in the passage. So first thing I want to talk about is we should love our city. As Christians, we should serve in cities. We should live in cities. We should love them. Uh, God loves cities, so we should love cities too. Let me show you Jeremiah uh, chapter 29, verse He's teaching us about what it means to love cities. And so first he shows that God actually puts his people in cities. So Jeremiah 29, 4, Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So God's saying, hey, Israel, I'm the one who sent you from Jerusalem to this pagan city of Babylon. That should be shocking to us. That is borderline offensive. God's saying, hey, Israel, that foreign nation, your enemies, the Babylonians who came and took you captive, who forced you to go to the city that you didn't want to go to. God's saying, hey, I did that. I wanted you to be in the city. I wanted to put you in Babylon. I have a reason that you should be in this foreign city and care for this city. God not only, he not only put his people in the foreign city of Babylon, But he also tells them, he tells the Israelites to make 
this foreign city their home. Look with me at verse five. Jeremiah 29, five, God says to the exiles, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Then verse six, Jeremiah basically says, get married, have babies. What he's saying is make Babylon your home. Live there, put down roots there. Build houses, get married, have kids. Make this foreign city your home. Love the city. Jeremiah 29, verses eight through nine. Uh, Jeremiah even warns the Israelites. He says, hey, there's some false prophets who they're telling you, you're not going to be in Babylon too long. They're saying, it's only going to be two years. You'll only be in Babylon for two years and then God's going to bring you out of Babylon. You'll be back in Jerusalem. And Jeremiah says, don't believe them. It's not true. God's actually going to have you in Babylon for 70 years. Why? Because God wants you there to love Babylon to pursue the peace, the good, the prosperity of Babylon. You know, in one sense, Christians today, we're also like exiles in this world. Uh, We live here and we make Boston our home. We're supposed to genuinely care for the city. And yet we know that Boston's not our final home. We know that God has given us a better home in heaven. And so we're called to love this world, even while we long for a better city, while we wait for heaven and we wait, for God to provide something better for us. And the reason that we're actually able to love Boston while in the meantime as exiles is because we're able to follow the example of a better exile. One who was able to come into the world and even though this wasn't his ultimate home, he was able to care for it and provide it, provide for it. Jesus was able to live in the world, to care for those around him. And then what Jesus did is on the cross. He was exiled. Jesus experienced the ultimate spiritual exile. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus experienced the worst exile possible from God that we deserve. He took it in our place so that you and I could then live as exiles in the world and care for the world like Jesus did. The only way that we're actually going to be able to love the world, to be in the world, but not of the world, is whenever we're relying on Jesus. Whenever we're going to him and seeing that it's only, it's only what he did in our place on the cross as an exile. It's only what he did for us that we're able to take that and then be able to love the city. Jesus, he served us. He met our ultimate need at the cross. And so we're able to then go to the world like Jesus did and say, we want to love the world We want to love our city. We want to sacrifice for our city. We want to provide for it because that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus, he took our punishment so that we could experience God's love and now we're able to go and sacrificially love the world like Jesus did. I think there's a few ways that we can do that practically, that we can actually love our city and care for it. I think for some of us, it means living in Boston long-term. Jeremiah, he's writing to the Israelites in Babylon And he's telling them, build homes, plant gardens, make the city your home. Maybe for some of you, you should consider, would God have you in Boston long-term? Would God have you here so you can put down roots, so you can make Boston your long-term home? Boston needs more Christians who are going to love the city and care for it. Would you consider it? Maybe, Maybe that's what God's calling you to. I know many of us, that won't be the case. Boston's a very transient city. People often move other places and that's okay. It is totally okay. God calls people to places all around the world. And so that's okay. Maybe God calls you somewhere else 
maybe you'll only be in Boston for two years. Would you consider making it a third year before you move somewhere else? And then I would just ask, would you consider, if God does call you somewhere else, would you consider making that place a city? The reality is people are flocking to cities. Christians aren't keeping up. Would you consider making a city your long-term home, caring for a city? I think for some of us, another way that we can apply this is by actually creating deep relationships in the city. Jeremiah, he tells the Israelites to get married, have kids. He's telling them, you need to actually make deep relationships in Babylon while you're there. Maybe for some of us, this looks like just, we, we should make deep friendships here. We should do the hard work of getting to know people in Boston. And listen, I know it can be hard. I know Boston's transient. People move frequently. It can feel exhausting to start over with new people, trying to get to know them. Hey, would you, would you consider, maybe God's calling you to really dive in deep again, to get to know people, to do the work, to make deep friendships so Boston can feel like home for you. Maybe for some of you, if you're married, maybe uh, as your family continues to grow, maybe the way that you obey this, this, what Jeremiah is telling us is to actually try to stay in the city. Listen, I know Boston's an expensive city. It can be hard to stay here. Would you consider maybe there's a way? Maybe there's a way that you could plan to afford the city long-term to stay here. Would you consider whatever it looks like? Would you try to make deep relationships here so you can actually stay in the city? Boston needs more Christians who are going to stay here and love the city. And listen, if God calls you somewhere else, praise God. That's, that's a good thing. God calls people all around the world. And just consider if you do move somewhere else, moving to a city. I love how Jeremiah, he keeps going to talk about loving the city. He, in Jeremiah 29 verse 7, he gives us this beautiful command of what Christians are supposed to do in cities. This is what he says, Jeremiah 29 7. Jeremiah says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. I love this word welfare here. In the Hebrew, it's the word shalom. It's this beautiful word that there's not a direct, we don't have an English word that exactly lines up with shalom. It's this really big idea of peace and prosperity and success and welfare. And so what Jeremiah is telling the exiles is go into Babylon and seek its shalom, seek its peace, its welfare, its good. Do whatever you can to make Babylon thrive while you're there. And why? Jeremiah saying it's because in the peace of the city, you're going to find your peace. In the shalom of Babylon, you will find your shalom. You'll find your peace, your prosperity, your, your goodness is going to be found there. So seek the good of the city. I think it's such a powerful word for us today. We should seek the shalom of Boston. We should seek its peace, its good, its prosperity. You know, and so often Christians today find it really difficult to pursue the peace of the city. And I think the reason that is, is that there's a lot of negative stereotypes about cities. Can we be honest about that? There, there are a lot of negative stereotypes surrounding cities. And so oftentimes Christians don't really like cities, don't want to live in cities, don't want to pursue the good of cities. Here's some of the stereotypes um, about cities. People, some people feel like cities are too expensive, that they're drug infested, that they're overcrowded, that they're maybe too progressive. There's, there's a long list of things that people say, hey, I just don't like cities for those reasons. 
And you know, there's, there are some elements of truth in that. And yet, even then, Jeremiah is still saying, even if there's things you don't like about the city, still seek its shalom, seek its good. I love in, in the book of Genesis, we get the very first picture of cities in Genesis chapter four. And we see that the very first cities were places of murder and revenge. I mean, the Bible is very realistic here about cities. Cities often do have broken elements in them. When we look at the city around us, we see that there are a lot of things that are messed up. There are things that aren't how they should be. And yet also at the same time in Genesis 4, we see that cities are places where cultural innovation happens. We see in Genesis 4 that cities are where architecture was developed, where music came along. We see that cities are places where both the worst aspects of humanity are on display, but also places where the very best of humanity are put on display. I love, uh, Tim Keller has this great quote talking about cities. He says, uh, the city is humanity intensified, a magnifying glass that brings out the very best and the worst of human nature. In cities, we find both the most beautiful things about who we are as people and also the very worst things about who we are as people. And yet at the same time, Christians, we still have to, to love cities. We need to seek their shalom. I remember whenever I was about to move up to Boston, I had an extended family member come up to me and he told me, he said, uh, he said I would never move to a city like that. He even told me, he's like, hey, it's kind of shameful that you would consider moving to Boston. You should really rethink that. And uh, I wasn't offended. He grew up in a rural area, which is great. Rural areas are great. God loves the country too. But uh, he, uh, he felt like cities, cities represented everything he hated in the world. You know, maybe that's how you feel too. Maybe you feel like Boston isn't a city that you really like. It's not a city that you want to stay in. I get Boston's not an easy city. Boston can be cold, expensive. It's crowded. It can be hard to stay here. And yet also, there are so many beautiful things about the city. Boston is a place full of churches. Would you consider, what does it look like for you to seek the shalom of, of the city? Listen, I get it's not easy. When Alex and I moved here, I think for the first eight weeks of going to our community group, we were talking about highs and lows for a community group. What was good in the week, what was bad. And every single week, our low of the week was something to do with our car. It was, uh, we, we popped a tire. One week, our car, it was something with uh, our axle was messed up. And so we had to take our car into the shop. Multiple weeks, we got towed because <laughs> we parked in the wrong place. Listen, I get Boston can be a frustrating place to live, and yet it's also a good place to live. Christians should love the city and care for the city. Tim Keller also has another great quote talking about why should we, why should we care about cities? Why should Christians love them? He says this, he says, cities quite literally have more of the image of God per square inch than any other place on earth. The image of God is here so powerfully. We should love cities and provide for cities, care for them. I love Tim Keller, uh, both those Tim Keller quotes come from Keller's book, Center Church. It's been so helpful for me. A lot of the ideas in this sermon are inspired from Keller's book. 
He's just talking about what does it look like for Christians to have a vision, a heart, a love for the city, to care for the cities and pursue its good. Christians should seek the shalom of Boston. But the only way that we're going to be able to do that, the only way that we can actually seek the peace of the city, seek its prosperity, its good, is whenever we see the place that ultimate peace comes from. We're not able on our own to establish peace on earth, but there's one who is. There's the prince of peace, the one who is able to come into the world and all of its conflict, all of its brokenness. He's able to see all the divisiveness that we've caused and he was able to come into the world and bring healing, peace, restoration. I love the way that Colossians 1 talks about it. Colossians 1, 19 through 20, it says it like this. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. On the cross, what Jesus did is he made a way for there to be ultimate peace. He made a way to reconcile God with humanity. And then even on top of that, what Colossians 1 says is that Jesus made a way to reconcile all things, all things in heaven and on earth to himself. What that passage is saying is that Jesus has made a way to bring the ultimate shalom, the ultimate prosperity, the ultimate peace. And for us as Christians, we need to find our peace. We need to find our comfort, our love there at the cross. And it's only whenever we have the shalom of Jesus that we're then going to be able to go into the city and care about the city Love the city even when it's hard. Continue to live here and care about the people around us. I think there are a few practical ways that we can actually seek the prosperity of Boston. Maybe for you, you moved to Boston for a job or for a degree. Two great reasons to move to the city. Those are good things. I'm really glad that you moved here. But I do think God has more for you in your job and your education than just getting that leg up at work or just having another degree. Maybe for you, you can use your work in the city to be a blessing to those around you. Maybe you're a social worker or an engineer or a teacher. What would it look like for you to use your profession, for you to use your vocation to actually bless the people around you, to bring healing to the city, to bring good to the city? What, what does it look like for us to actually bless the city? I think another way that we can actually seek the Shalom of Boston don't just consume the city's resources, but contribute to the good of the city. Sometimes people will move to the city and they just see all the fun opportunities. There's so many great restaurants and so many fun things to do. And Boston has great museums. And so that's great. Those are things that we should do and that we should go and enjoy. But listen, we can't just consume. As Christians, we have to do more than that. We have to contribute to the good of our city. We should be known for volunteering to serve the city. Often cities are places that have high populations of people in poverty, high levels of need. Christians should be known for the ways that they provide for those who are vulnerable and in need. We should be known as a church for the way that we seek justice, for the way that we provide for those around us. That's part of what it looks like to seek the shalom of Boston, to pursue its prosperity. Maybe for you, Jeremiah, he tells the exiles, Pray on behalf of the city. When was the last time that you prayed for Boston? What would it look like for you to maybe take one time a week, to have one morning that you're going to set aside and you're just going to pray that God would bless our city, that God would help our city to grow, that God would help our city to be a place of justice, 
a, a good place to live? What if you prayed that God use the churches in the city to spread the gospel to more people? Praying that God would actually help churches love non-Christians and see more non-Christians follow Jesus for the first time. Boston is at the cultural and economic heart of New England. And to be honest, New England is one of the most secular parts of our country. New England's great. I'm not hating. But also at the same time, New England has the least amount of Christians percentage-wise. I am convinced if we are going to reach New England for the gospel, that has to include Boston. If we want to actually be able to spread the gospel, to have a gospel movement in our region, we have to reach our city. What starts in the city goes everywhere else. We want the gospel to take root here so then it can spread from here to New England and to the rest of the world. We should be eager. We should pray for that. We should long for that. We should want God to do that in our city. There's a reason in the book of Acts that the very first missionaries went to cities. Have you noticed that before? Then the book of Acts, the first missionaries, they go to Thessalonica and Philippi and Ephesus and Rome. Why'd they go to cities? It's because that's where the people were and they knew that if they could reach the cities, the gospel would go to the cities to everywhere else. And so they started churches in all these different Mediterranean cities so the gospel could go from there to the world. We should pray for that. We should long for that. We should work towards that. As Christians, we must seek the shalom of Boston. We should seek its greatest good, its ultimate peace. I love uh, hearing the story of Claire and Brandon Eitzen about why they moved to Boston. They knew that God was calling them to go move to a city to love the city. And so they basically looked at where are all the cities where we know the language, English, and we're going to be able to find a job. And what, what's the city that has the least amount of Christians that we can go to and love and serve and do ministry there? And so they landed on Boston and then moved here, moved their entire lives here just to love the city, to care, to provide. I know many of you have done that as well. You moved to Boston so you could love it, serve, I know some of you, you were part of the core team here at the church to just come and love the city to start this church. Man, what, what would it look like for you in your life to seek the shalom of Boston, to seek its good and its prosperity? As Christians, we should love the city. We should seek its, its good. And at the same time, we should long for God's better city. That's the second thing I want us to see. I promise I'll be shorter with the second one. We should not only love our city, but we'll only be able to truly love our city when we have our eyes set on a better city that's coming one day. God's heavenly city, a new Jerusalem that God's gonna bring. Let me show it to you in the passage. Jeremiah 29, 10, Jeremiah says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed in Babylon, I'll visit you and I'll fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So God promises the exiles in Babylon that they won't be in Babylon forever. God says, there is a day coming 70 years from now when I will bring you back to Jerusalem. You're going to rebuild the city. You'll be able to dwell again in your homeland. You're able to be in a renewed Jerusalem. And then he keeps going. God then gives what I think has to be one of the most comforting verses in the entire Bible. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. God is promising, listen, exiles, I know you're in Babylon and it's not where you want to be. 
but I have a better future for you. There's a hope coming. I know the plans I have for you. I am going to provide a better city. I'll provide a new Jerusalem, a new home that's going to be perfect forever. I think some of you today, maybe you need to hear this. Maybe you've been living in Boston long enough that you feel exhausted. You feel like this city has chewed you up and spit you out. You feel burnt out. You feel exhausted. Maybe you feel like Boston's the last place you want to be now. I want you to hear this word from God. God knows the plans he has for you. God has good plans for you. He, he's promising you there's a better city. There's a future and a hope that you can look to. If, you, if you're here today and you feel hopeless, you feel worn out, you feel exhausted, I want you to look to the new Jerusalem. Look to heaven. Find your hope there. God's going to provide that. Would you look to it and long for it? Would you long for a day when God's going to establish perfect peace on earth in his new Jerusalem? It's been so encouraging for me to talk with Aaron these last few weeks and just talk to him about how he's processing his mom having terminal cancer. And something he said to me multiple times is that just this hope in heaven has given him so much peace, so much comfort, knowing his mom's a believer and he knows that this isn't the end. Cancer does not get the final word. He knows that his mom is going to live forever in a new city, a better city, that she's going to have a new body, that there's going to be no more pain. As Christians, we should find so much hope we should long for this new Jerusalem. We should long for heaven. That's what Jeremiah wants us to have our eyes on. We should long for God's better city. I remember this quote this week from the Cambridge professor, C.S. Lewis, which side note, is it really me or Brandon preaching if we don't quote C.S. Lewis at least once? So this is from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. This is, Lewis says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. If you truly long for heaven, if heaven's your ultimate goal, you'll get earth too. But if you only aim for earth, you're going to get neither. As Christians, we should long for God's better city. You can't just aim for earth. If, if you live in Boston and Boston is your only goal, then you will be overly conformed to the ways of the city. It's really sad for me to watch. Oftentimes Christians will move to the city and rather than being a force for good, a source for shalom in the city, they'll actually let the city change their fundamental convictions. I watch as some Christians, they move to Boston and they let what the Bible teaches about sex or money or power be defined by secular standards instead of scripture. As Christians, we, we can't let our, our secular world around us set the ultimate standards for what we believe. We have to look to scripture, not to the people around us. God, God tells us what we should believe and what we should long for. We can't just aim at earth and let the, the needs, the drive of the city consume us. We have something better. As Christians, we have a heavenly hope. And so we need to not just, don't just look at earth or you won't get earth or heaven. But if you keep your eyes set on heaven, you, won't, you will be able to be in Boston, but not of Boston. You'll be able to love the city and care for it. But the city won't take your faith captive. It won't steal your faith from you. As Christians, we have to keep our eyes set on the new Jerusalem that's coming. I love how uh, Jeremiah, he just, he keeps going. He's talking about this new city that's coming. 
And this is, this is what he says, these last three verses in the passage. He tells us, how do we actually become a part of this new Jerusalem that's coming one day? And this is what he says, Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I've sent you into exile. What God's promising is, if you seek him, you will find him. If you call out to him, he will hear you. If you turn away from rebelling against God, from choosing sin, and you seek God with all your heart, he will hear you. He will bring you out of exile. Maybe you're here today and you wouldn't identify as a Christian, or maybe you haven't ever truly believed the gospel before. Would you consider calling out to God, seeking him, turning away from sin and putting your entire heart onto God? Listen, when you do that, when you place your ultimate hope, when you place your deepest faith, your trust in the perfect life, death and resurrection of Jesus, what God does is he takes you from spiritual exile to life. He gives you a home. He gives you comfort. If you haven't done that, would you consider doing that today? Jesus promises. He says, he says this in John 6:37. whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Listen, if you seek him, you will find him. If you come to him, he'll never turn you away. Seek Jesus. He's going to be better. He will give you a home that can never be taken away from you. He's going to give you something you can find your ultimate hope in. We should long for that. I love how the Bible ends. The Bible in Genesis 4, it starts by telling us how cities were developed. And the last two chapters of the Bible, they tell us how the story ends. And it ends with a better city. There's this, this theme of Babylon versus Jerusalem. It keeps going. I know Jeremiah has been talking about that with the prophets, but it keeps going throughout the entire Bible. And so eventually we get to the book of Revelation. And Jer- what, uh, what the book of Revelation says, John's writing it. And what John says is that there's a day coming when Babylon's going to fall. What he means by that is that all the sin, all the brokenness, all the things that are messed up in our world will be put to an end. Evil will end. Suffering will all be healed. The world will be made new. Babylon will fall. And what God's going to do is he'll bring a new Jerusalem that's coming, a perfect, better city. This is how Revelation chapter 21 says it in verses two through three. It says, and I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. If you're a Christian, the new Jerusalem is coming. There will be a day when we will dwell perfectly with God. He will be our God. We will enjoy him forever. No more pain, no more suffering. Evil itself will end. Let's set our eyes on that. Let's long for that. We know that in heaven, it's going to be like waking up from a dream to experience true reality. What we're going through in this life, it's like a shadow compared to the thing itself that we're going to have in heaven. Beholding the face of God, enjoying him forever. It's not going to be the end of the story. It's going to be the beginning of the best story, the greatest story of knowing God, living in his new city. Let's set our eyes on that. Let's find our hope in that.
Let's keep our eyes fixed on the new Jerusalem because when, whenever we do that, we'll be able to actually love Boston the way that Boston needs. As Christians, we need to love our city. We need to seek the good of our city. And the only way we're going to be, be able to do that is when we keep our eyes fixed on a better city that's coming, a new Jerusalem. Let's be that kind of church that's known for that, known for loving the city. Let's pray.